Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Gotta take your soul, you're on your own. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and I'm glad to be with you tonight. I hope everyone had a, a great, successful, safe week. And we're getting close to recruiting, college football recruiting that's coming up, I think, what, about 10 days away. A lot's going to be happening on the show and out in the recruiting world. So we we do want to talk some recruiting, especially uh, up until signing day and uh, just a little bit after it to see how all the the class is rated. But uh, just some news, man. I I did get a note. I was looking at my demographics of, of who listens to the show and, and you you would be so I was surprised that I had people in Japan, I had people in Germany, Canada, I mean just all these different places people are listening to weigh in sports talk. So I'm sure it's Americans that are over in Japan, maybe on business or something, maybe. I don't know, but maybe I should get a, a Japanese interpreter. China, J- Japan, all those guys. Look at is there anyone out there that could be an interpreter that knows every language known to man in the world so if you're out there let me know and and we can have you interpret the show for us that would be cool but anyway welcome to the show i don't think trey's going to be with us tonight trey's had a lot going on he's a lot of personal things a lot of work things health being sick with the flu uh but so trey's been out for a while he hasn't been with us in 2015 yet some people think it's because you know, he's hiding because Florida State lost to Oregon the way they did. But I know Trey, he wouldn't do that. So, Trey, we looking, we're looking forward to you getting back on the show, buddy. So come back when you can. And the chat room is open. I know a lot of people. It's just like it seems dead in sports. But we're going to talk about several things. Uh, hopefully we'll have some callers tonight. The Pro Bowl is going on. and I mean, I, I really predict my ratings on the show will be higher than the Pro Bowls. Who watches the NFL Pro Bowl, really? I turned it on to start, and all I saw was, I mean, they wouldn't even tackle DeMarco Murray. They were holding him up for 20 seconds until they blew the whistle. Sorry I have the hiccups, guys. Uh, I, I just don't get why people, This the stadium is packed. There's a lot of people out watching the Pro Bowl. That doesn't show you how big the NFL is. I mean, it's just it's the biggest money maker I've ever seen, you've ever seen, and probably that it will ever happen. The NFL and Sonny Clark says I think he thinks they they report it's like a eleven, twelve billion dollar industry, but we know it's closer to twenty than it is ten. So you know, nobody tells the truth in numbers, but this NFL is so big is followed by so many people, and, and this Super Bowl is coming up next weekend. New England and Seattle, could you ask for really a better game, a better matchup? Of, you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick going after another Super Bowl. Tom Brady trying to win the argument of best quarterback ever. Bill Belichick trying to go down as the best coach in, in NFL history against the Seattle team that has done it with a cheap budget, really. They they get these players at the right time. They they do some great drafting. They have a quarterback making probably less than I do, and and they're they're getting to the Super Bowl. That's that's amazing. 
at what Pete Carroll has done at Seattle. You have Sherman, the best corner in the NFL, going up against Brady. You know, everybody's tried to beat Sherman. Sherman with one arm now. We'll see how it goes. But I want to talk, start off the show with the Flake Gate, all this story with New England cheating and and suspending Belichick, suspending Brady. If you're an Indianapolis fan and, and you're, you're not listening to your own teammates, what they're saying about this, even the Indianapolis team is like they could have played uh, with a soccer ball and still beat us. I mean, New England beat Indianapolis by 40 points, and it had nothing to do with the ball. And, and, and my question is out there to everybody out there, do you have a problem with Tom Brady deflating the balls to suit his grip before a game? Because to me, what does it really matter? Can you stop Tom Brady? That's the question. That deflated ball has nothing to do with when the running back gets the ball and runs all over you. It has nothing to do with the, your defense tackling people. So, I mean, people, this is a Super Bowl week coming up. And all we're going to hear about and all we've heard about since the end of the AFC Championship game is the way that Tom Brady and New England, they cheat. But Belichick came out and made it known that that he's not a cheater at all and that, you know, he didn't have anything to do with the balls. And, you know, part of me believes him because you're a head coach. You can't go down and, and – check balls out and make sure everything's perfect. But he is a very detail-oriented person, a control freak. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he didn't do something like that before a game. But let's let's end the nonsense about suspending Belichick, suspending Brady. It's not going to happen. Kraft and, and Goodell are like best friends. They're they're over at each other's house all the time. They're they're friends. You're not gonna suspend your friend. You're not gonna you're not gonna find the organization your friend owns. You're not gonna give them a black eye. This is all gonna go away. Give it a, a week or so after the Super Bowl's over with. Especially if New England loses, it'll probably die out because all the haters and the the jealous people out there maybe will find something else to do to try to pick the New England Patriots apart. That goes with any any team that's successful over the years, you've seen Alabama, a lot of people hating on them because they're very successful. You've seen New England happen. You saw the Bulls back in the day with Jordan, the Lakers with Kobe, even the Miami Heat, LeBron James, everybody hated that team. And and it's just like they're going to tear it down. People cannot stand success. Most people in the world are jealous of other people's success, and they hate it. They they simply hate it when someone's successful, somebody like a Tom Brady that has a, a beautiful wife, making millions of dollars, has everything going for him, and they hate it because you have people out there working in a factory, working the coal mines that, that dream about having his life. And, you know, don't, don't hate on anybody out there. Just be happy for people. Worry about yourself and quit trying to tear down someone else. I mean, this is so ridiculous all week. Every time you turn on the radio, every time you turn on TV, you hear about this garbage with, with deflating the balls. I mean, it's getting to the point where the media, ESPN, find something else to do besides run the deflate gate into the ground. It's just sickening. I've watched sports for sports, for competition, to see who the better team is and see athletes perform at their highest. I don't, I don't turn it on 
to hear about some bull crap about cheating and, and deflating balls. Who cares? You, you, I mean, if this game would have been a, a 24 to 21 game, maybe you could gripe a little bit about a forfeit or a protest or something. But when you lose by 40 points, the best thing you can do is go back and regroup and, and take another beating or something. I don't know. But Andrew Luck in the Pro Bowl just got lit up. And, and that's one thing in the Pro Bowl I noticed a lot is when rookies or someone big comes in, they start playing harder. But for the most part, these guys just take it easy, get on cruise control, and they, they collect that big check at the end of the day for making the Pro Bowl. But some people in this Pro Bowl, they don't deserve to be in there. And it's not really a true Pro Bowl unless you can have everybody involved. We have Tom Brady. You can't have a Pro Bowl without Tom Brady. You can't have a Pro Bowl without Richard Sherman. Give me a break. But but I just I watched the Pro Bowl, and I, I saw earlier that it showed J.J. Watt kicking like a 35-yard field goal. This is, one of the, this is the best player in the NFL probably, J.J. Watt. Just a beast, a fierce competitor. He can do it all. He's kicking field goals. And trust me, if you've never kicked a field goal before, you don't realize how hard it is to kick an extra point, much less a 35-yard field goal. So this guy does it all. An athlete, probably, to me, the best player in the NFL. Quarterbacks are very important. You have to win championships with them. But when you're talking about raw talent, a player that you want on your team, J.J. Watt is the guy. And the call-in number tonight is 646-716-5564. We're going to talk some recruiting, maybe a little NBA and Major League Baseball. A legend, Ernie Banks, died this this week. Sad time in baseball. Ernie Banks died of a heart attack. He will be missed by the baseball community and, and by the Chicago Cubs fans. Maybe one day they'll get another World Series. We'll hope. Maybe Cuervo will call in and, and let us know if the if the Cubs will ever win another championship. But he passed away this week. Condolences go out to the Banks family and, and all the fans. Well, recruiting day, signing day is upon us, guys. We are here. And, you know, I read something funny today. Jim Harbaugh signed his first commitment. He's been there a couple weeks, I think. I mean, two or three weeks, and maybe I'm off a little bit, but this is your first recruit, your first commit. I mean, this is supposed to be the coach of all coaches, the savior of Michigan football. Temple has a higher-rated recruiting class than Michigan. Michigan has eight players in their signing class for 2015. Eight. I didn't stutter. Eight players. They got a defensive tackle today, I believe, and a a quarterback that flipped from Texas. And and you talk about, oh, my gosh, eight commits. And what was Michigan doing? Just not, you know, lame duck coach sitting in here and and recruits not knowing what to do. Michigan has their own stupid selves to blame for this recruiting class. Harbaugh's not going to be able to come in and turn it all around in a year. We know that. But I expected – and I don't know about you, but I expected a much, much better recruiting class so far. I expected recruits to come in and knock down the door by the way all the ESPN was talking and the Michigan fans, but but we know that's not going to happen. Michigan right now is ranked 69th in recruiting. They have five four-stars, 
and two three stars, and I think two two stars. So they were at 90th, or yeah, I think it was 91st. They're up to 69th in recruiting right now. I mean, see, recruiting is about relationship building. And if Harbaugh had been in college, had he had been like Muschamp and and went from Florida to Michigan or something, it would be a lot better for the Michigan Wolverines and Harbaugh. But now this is a guy that's going to have to go out on the road immediately and and start. He he didn't get a chance to move into his office and set up. He had to be on the recruiting road in the trail. And, and, you know, to not have anybody hardly signed at all has to be a major disappointment. But it takes time to build relationships with these kids and these high school coaches. But I'm sure after this year, the next signing day we have, Michigan will probably be in the top ten if they have some success on the field. That's a that's a big if right now. And I don't know if Paul Barry Bryant could come from the grave and, and coach and get a better win. Uh, you know, but I'm just disappointed to see them so far down. They're last in the Big Ten in recruiting. I mean, that's terrible. Here's teams rated ahead of Michigan. Louisiana Tech, Western Michigan, Central Florida, San Jose State with 23-star sign. That's amazing uh, for a San Jose State team. South Florida, Kansas, Kansas State, Cincinnati, Boise State, Minnesota, Syracuse, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Rutgers. I mean, these are teams that are out recruiting the University of Michigan. I mean, you have to be – I mean, I would wear a paper bag over my head if I was a Michigan Wolverines fan right now. I mean, I would be like, okay, you you spend – all of this money on this coach, and he can't go turn anybody. He got a quarterback that probably will never play anyway or amount to anything to transfer from Texas. Texas probably could care less that he left. I mean, so I, I just don't get it. I, I do not get how the Michigan fans and the Michigan nation can hold their head up high right now after seeing what's been going on. And uh, we look at the – the top 10 in recruiting right now, Alabama is number one. I don't think that's going to change. Alabama's class with 26 right now, just six five stars, 15 four stars, and three five or five three stars, excuse me. That's that's one of the best recruiting classes I've ever seen, what Alabama has put on onto the field this time. This is just simply amazing. And you talk, you see the coaching turnover, some things going on, Nick Saban reloads, and, and, man, how do you compete with six five-stars and 15 four-stars? I don't know. You just have to hope you can out-coach and out-scheme Nick Saban because if you think you're going to out-recruit him, you're insane. But there's one team out there that I think can make a run to get in the top three by signing day. They won't catch Alabama. There's no way. But the Auburn Tigers are going to have to do something right now. They are clearing out space. They're looking for a huge, huge, huge signing day. They they can take a lot of players right now with what the, I think they're going to take about ten more actually, and they have their eyes on probably six or seven five stars and some high profile four stars and some three stars to fill this class out. So sometimes these teams and Auburn's usually a team that has their recruiting filled up by signing day close, and they may add a surprise or lose somebody. But this signing day is make or break for the Auburn Tigers with Will Muschamp coming in with T-Rock and and the coach leaving 
Lance Thompson, Alabama coming to Auburn. This is a huge opportunity for them to get up in the top five to get some big-time recruits on the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to be a different year next year. Uh, recruiting is where it's at. We, we've discussed this on the show a million times. You go back and you look at the most successful teams in the last 10, 15 years, one thing about it, they, they're a top 10 recruiting machine. You look at Alabama, ever since Saban came in, they've been gobbling up five stars and they've been winning championships. And if they don't win, they're, they're pretty darn close to winning. Florida State's a top five program in recruiting. Look at them. They won the national championship last year and played in the playoffs. Southern Cal, when they were dominating, you know, they were recruiting well. You have Ohio State. You know, they don't have the, the five stars this year. They have one sign, but, but they recruit Urban Meyer very well. They recruit Florida. They recruit some Georgia. They, they know where to go. Urban Meyer does to pick the talent up to make Ohio State a contender. It's just like you see LSU. You see Auburn played for two national championships since 2010. Then they won one of them, but they had top ten recruiting classes. Texas, you know, they're starting to get up there a little bit more, but when they're in their heyday in Oklahoma, they were top ten recruiting classes. It goes to show you recruiting matters and people that say it doesn't matter. And they're, they're obviously their school's not up there, but you have to develop this talent when they come to campus. You have to build it, but you cannot win championships without five-star athletes and the right mixture of four-stars. I'm sorry. It's impossible to do this day and age. You may out-scheme somebody for a game or two and win a couple games you shouldn't, but you cannot navigate a schedule like you're going to be navigating in college football these days with without superior talent. It's not going to happen. But Byron Cowart, the, probably the number one player, of all the recruits right now, down to Florida and Auburn. He did lead his visit, his official visit with Florida early this week, but it's hard to get a gauge on this kid. A lot of the experts that I know are picking Auburn for the services of Byron Cowart. And and I think it's Jeffrey Holland, another linebacker, four-star for Auburn. But it's just one thing about recruiting that bothers me is – and it's always bothered me, and I've said it before, the amount of attention that's put on these kids and how they troll other schools and how they troll the fans. And it's not that they're trolling their kids. It's the fact that these fans, these grown adults, are following these guys on Twitter and getting upset at every word. And I know somebody that follows uh, the players on Twitter, and they're fine. It's okay to follow what they say, but, but to not live and die off every word. That's one thing, but these these fans of other schools, they don't realize the impact they have when it comes to where these kids are going to play ball at. It's like you if you if a kid says something crazy one night, like something about Florida good, then some other fan base comes on there and dogs him out for even thinking about going, which changes the kids' viewpoints about your school. The best thing you can do with these kids is ignore them. Let them pick who they want to do. But ESPN, 247, all the rivals, I mean, they parade around these kids. They make them bigger than what they are. And then not many of them pan out when they do get to college. And and it's like they're shocked because in high school they were the real deal. They were told all their life how great they were. But when you, when you come into big boy football, 
You have to earn it. You, yes, great. You, you'll get some great treatment being a five star, and you'll get into the door. But I, I never know. I'm, I've never known a coach to put a player out on the field unless they've earned it in practice. I don't care how glamorous or five star you are, or how if you were the most heralded recruit in the country, it doesn't matter. Once they sign you, it's over with. Now that's when the work begins. Is when you have to earn your way. And if you think some of these three stars that have been sitting on the bench and hitting the weight room and getting killed in practice are just going to let you come in and take their place, you're you're kidding yourself. You can go look at the top recruits this year. Not many, I don't think, will actually start. And for a school, I think Coward's going to start. If he goes to Auburn, I think he's going to start. If he goes to Florida, he's going to start. There's a few players out there that's going to start, like Thompson, Trent Thompson going to Georgia. He's going to start, of course. Khalil McKenzie, he'll probably start at Tennessee. But there's not many. C.C. Jefferson, maybe. I doubt he'll start at Auburn if he comes. I know it's down between Auburn, Florida, and Ole Miss, but he's not going to beat out Carl Lawson for a a spot. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. But you'll have a couple that's going to be impact freshmen immediately. There's not many. They're few and far between. Most of the time, if they do get to play, it's a mop-up duty or it's late in the season when they finally developed and, and and became a player. You know, it takes time. You just don't – just because you're five-star doesn't mean you step foot in the SEC and start on the offensive line. Now, Martez Ivy is one that, you know, Florida's recruiting him hard in Auburn. It's down to those two. And, and I think he could start for most schools he goes to with his size, and that's why everybody's after him. And there's not many. You look at the top ten recruits, one's an offensive line. And he's number two, Martez Ivy. But these players now Auburn's looking at. CC Jefferson's ranked seventh, and I'm going by two four seven. Um, Byron Cowart, Martez Ivy. There's there's three of them right there. If they could land those, it's just a lot of players right now that are un, uncommitted. And even though they are committed, doesn't mean they're going to stay committed. That's what you have to look at. A lot of these schools are working overtime to to get a couple of flips going their way. We'll see Terry Begner, Jr., kid out of St. Louis. He's a five-star, number 13. I look for him to play immediately somewhere. I think he's a little lower, honestly. Dalen Mack uh, looks like he's going to Texas. He could make an instant impact. The recruiting so fun to watch, you know, especially around this time of year. We had J.C. Sherbert on for, for 247, 24-7 last week, actually. He did a great job giving us some information on what's going on. We appreciated that, and we hope to have him on again signing day in 10 days if he can make the time. But we'll keep you updated in recruiting. But let me give you the top 10 according to 24-7 right now. Alabama 1, Florida State 2, Southern Cal 3, Clemson 4, Tennessee 5, Georgia 6, Ohio State 7, Texas A&M 8, Notre Dame 9, and LSU 10. At 11 is Auburn. And they're going to make a huge push, it looks like, to see if they can get up in there at the end of the recruiting cycle. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. But looking at Alabama's class, they started well and they finished strong. There's no, They're not going to have anybody flipping, I don't believe. They're going to stay the number one team in the country, which is, I mean, it is what it is. And I want to talk about, too, in college basketball recruiting. Last night I watched Auburn and Alabama play a great basketball game. Two very bad teams playing each other, but it was still a good game. Uh, Auburn lost by two points by not being able to box out at the end of the game. 
it cost them a, a, a win that I thought they, they they earned it last night almost until that play and then a terrible, terrible in, inbound play with six seconds left. I think it was six to drive down the court and not even get a shot off really. That was terrible. But, you know, you look at Auburn and if you if you think they're going to be the cellar dwellers like they have been, you're, you're, you're surely mistaken because you go back and look at recruiting right now in basketball and Auburn has a top ten class. Coming in with some some big time players on it, and that's something you look at that team now. They they don't have, but they're going to start having it. So Alabama, you know, beat Auburn last night. I think that'll be the last time you'll probably see that happen for a long time after this year. Uh, it's just recruiting everything in basketball, and that's why Auburn has been so bad in basketball for all these years. Until now, they start they get a great coach. And they get some recruiting, and I, it's funny how I see, I hear some Auburn fans disappointed this basketball season. I mean, what did you expect? I mean, did you expect to make the NCAA tournament because Bruce Pearl showed up in his first year? I mean, he has nothing to work with. All he has is what was there, what he could bring in in a short amount of time after he got hired. But it takes time to to build something, especially in basketball. But it all starts with coaching in basketball and recruiting. So you get the right coach in there. He can recruit. Look at Calipari, Kentucky. My God, he just rolls in the, the blue chip McDonald's All-Americans and lines them up. They're sitting on the bench, and they're winning. They're number one right now in college basketball. There's a team that I wanted to talk about tonight in college basketball, well, since we're talking about it, Virginia. I mean, this team right now is getting so much love. They're undefeated number two. But when you go look at their schedule, you go look at that schedule for Virginia, and it's it's a joke. And I, I was sitting there reading who they played, and I'm about to read it off to you. And it's good to be undefeated, yeah, but are they the second-best team in the country? Are you kidding me? There's some idiots out there in the AP poll that voted Virginia number one ahead of Kentucky, which I don't see how. I've watched Virginia play two or three times this year. And I've left not impressed either time. Are you telling me that a Virginia team, just because they're 17 and 0, are be- they're better than Duke and Wisconsin? Are you kidding me? Duke's at number five, Wisconsin's number six, and Louisville. I'll say Louisville at number 10. I'd take them all day over Virginia at a neutral side. But Virginia is getting a lot of love right now because of their record. But the record doesn't help you in tournament time. What helps you? is it, the the battles that you face during the year, in the season. Kentucky, the Dukes, the Louisville, they've all played some juggernauts, and they're going to be better for the tournament. Let's go look at Virginia's schedule and tell me if I'm, if I'm blowing this up. James Madison, Norfolk State, South Carolina State, George Washington, Tennessee State, LaSalle, Rutgers, Maryland, Virginia Commonwealth, Cleveland State, Harvard, Davidson, Miami, NC State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So you're telling me that just because they won all those games and the game against Miami was in double overtime, by the way, I just wanted to throw that out there. They beat Davidson by 11. I mean, this team's number two in the country. See, these AP voters kill me with the way they do. Let's see how. Virginia does now when they play Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, and teams like that. If they play Louisville two more times, I thought they played Duke twice, but they don't. 
they play them one time, I believe, and maybe there's some more coming in the season. But I do see March 7th they go to Louisville, and February 7th they host Louisville. So we'll see. We'll see how good they are Saturday when they play Duke. We'll see if they win that game, then I'll start maybe looking at them. But you have to be, if you're a basketball fan and you've, you've watched basketball, you have to realize that this is this is not good. This is not going to be the end result. I just hate voters that look at a team's record and vote like that. I mean, I'm telling you, Duke's for real. They've lost a couple of games this year, but, you know, you play bad some nights. It happens. You can't go by the record all occasions in basketball. Not when you play this many games and, and some team schedules are harder than other ones. But now that they're in conference play, We'll see. Now, the win at Notre Dame, Notre Dame was 13th. I mean, that was a six-point win. you got to give them that. I'll give them that. But that's about it. I look at that schedule, and I don't see anything. In Maryland, they played them and beat them. They're 21st. But the reason they're ranked 21st is because who else are you going to rank? I mean, it's hard to rank 25 teams in college basketball and to get it accurate, so you just throw people in. But uh, – Anyway, it's just one of those things I just wanted to throw out there. Virginia Cavaliers. Texas got drilled last night by Kansas. Kansas went on the road and beat Texas. Same Kansas team that lost by 40 to Kentucky. So you're going to put a team like Kentucky that made the championship game last year and undefeated. And then some of these voters' minds, Virginia's a better basketball team. I just. You put those two on the court, and if it's a serious game, Kentucky will blow them off the off the court. It's it's not even going to be close. But I want to talk about that. And then the NBA, Kobe Bryant has decided to shut it down this year. Um, can't blame him. Can't blame the Lakers organization for wanting him to. If you're the Lakers, you want a, a lottery pick. You want to you want to finish in the bottom five so you can get that lottery pick and and you can keep it because if they don't make it in the top five, bottom five, I should say. They're going to lose their pick to the, I believe it's the Phoenix Suns, if I'm not mistaken. So that's the only way they get to keep it. So if you're the Lakers, lose, lose, lose. So you can get a lottery pick and try to turn this thing around. That deal with Kobe Bryant, paying him all that money was just so stupid. Kobe is done, guys. And Kobe is one of the all-time greats, but he's done. He, He cannot stay healthy. He's not going to get healthy. He's not going to be a top ten player anymore. So you can you can forget that. So it's just time to to cut your losses and start building right now again. And speaking of you know streaks right now, the Cavaliers they're six in a row winning. I just wonder how long it's going to take them to to finally come around. I mean, there were some experts thinking the Cavs could be undefeated and you know never lose the game, but this is a team that is in fifth place in the East right now, 25 and 20, 12 games back. And there's a team out there, the Atlanta Hawks, 16-game winning streak right now. On the road, they're 17 and 5. They're 20 and 3 at home, 37 and 8 record. That is amazing if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan to have a team that's that good. It's been I don't know when it's been since they've had a team that. That's this caliber. The only team in the NBA better than the Atlanta Hawks by their record is the Golden State Warriors, which they only have 35 wins, where the Hawks have 37. You look at winning percentage, 822 for Atlanta, 
854 for Golden State. So some, you know, it's it's close, but I think Golden State would walk the floor with anybody they played right now. Memphis at number two in the Western Conference, Portland third, the Clippers fourth, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Phoenix. So it's your usual suspects for the most part, with the exception of Oklahoma City sitting out at number 10 and the Lakers almost at last just ahead of Minnesota. So seven win or 12 wins for the Lakers. Mm. They need to start losing more. Quit winning. I hope at the end of the season the Lakers have 12 wins because if they're smart, they're going to keep losing. But you have to know that Kobe Bryant is the main reason this team has struggled so much. He's a ball hog and everybody knows that this team is better statistically without Kobe Bryant on the court. So we'll see. I mean, there's still a lot of games left. And if they could sneak up to number eight, you know, they'll get blown out by Golden State in the playoffs. But I'm interested to see where the Lakers come, how far they can go without Kobe, because this team is not terrible. And I think we have Cuervo on the line. Cuervo, what's going on, man? Welcome. What's up, Tarvin? How are you this evening, buddy? I'm just sitting here talking a little sports. It's a slow night in the chat room and in the studio, man. It's uh, I hope people aren't dumb enough to be watching the Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not watching the Pro Bowl myself. I mean, I peeked in for a minute, but um, yeah, I did too. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it looks like it's been all field goals for the most part, which. You would think the one game that you would get, you know, a, a, a bunch of points, and it's been nothing but, you know, a kicker's game. So, you know, go figure that one. Well, they make the goalposts so thin. I'm surprised kickers can kick them. <laughs> well, shoot, Odell Beckham kicked one, they they said, it, and during the pregame warm-up. So if he can do it, then, hey. um, you know, J.J. Watt anybody 35 yards. J.J. Watt kicked a 35-yard field goal. How how awesome is he? I mean, is he not the best athlete in the NFL? He he can do it all, man. I mean, you know, he gets to your quarterback. He can catch touchdowns. He could probably throw them, <laughs> too. I mean, heck, he, he could probably coach if he had to. I mean, he can do everything. He's even handing out popcorn and beer at the game. <laughs> now, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Hey, I was talking about the Atlanta Hogs right now, and I don't know how, how much you follow the Atlanta Hogs. I know I don't. But, you know, when I looked up at the standings a couple of weeks ago and I see these Atlanta Hawks and they, they've won 16 straight, what is going on in Atlanta? Well, you know, I, I actually I was talking to Sonny about that this morning, and, and, you know, what he mentioned was they got rid of some guys that kind of held them back from really taking their – that team to the next level um you know guys like josh smith are gone uh and, and other guys that are accepting role players and that that them you know the position as a role player and i think that's the difference is they're they're buying into their part on the team you know not everybody's trying to be the superstar he talked about joe johnson and how he's that not there anymore and he kind of held them back and it's kind of true if you think about it I'm just amazed that team, and remember, they, they got an assistant coach from San Antonio that, that brought, you know, their ways over to Atlanta. And if you look at the statistics of this team by the players, there's really no superstar on it. But the 
same statistics, Cuervo. I mean, how big is coaching? Yeah, I know, I know. I know. We talk about players a lot, but how big is coaching in this position right here in Atlanta? Well, I mean, it, it's it's big because you know you have to be a guy that can that can understand that you don't have that superstar, so you have to show these guys that look, you know, we don't have a you know an, an A caliber guy on our team, but you know we're still gonna we're still gonna do it with the guys that we have and. You know, it doesn't take having a superstar to have a successful season. I mean, there's been teams in the past that have done it. I mean, you look at the Spurs. I mean, can can you honestly say Parker or or Duncan right now in their in their career are are a guys? They're they're not, but they won the championship nope. last year. So it doesn't take that that a caliber guy to to be a champion. It just takes um you know, a team of guys that feel like they are an A team. I know that it's kinda of like, you know, the old eighties show, whatever, but um uh, but that's that's what the difference is. I mean you have guys you have a team that feels like they are an A caliber team instead of a team with A caliber players. And you look at Golden State right now, thirty five and six. I mean, they're twenty and one at home, Cuervo. Twenty mm-hmm. wins and one loss. I mean, that's a sign to me of a great friend, a great team. Is when you dominate, you have to dominate home, and you have to have above five hundred on the road. They're fifteen and five on the road. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? And we we talked about them too. We we did we did some NBA talk this morning on our show, and uh, you know you got to give a lot of credit to Steve Kerr. You know, and, and Sonny said it this morning. He's like, I wasn't sure about what he was going to bring to, you know, the table as far as being a first-time head coach. And I think with Steve, the the, the advantage that Steve Kerr has and, and the way that Golden State is benefiting right now is the fact that this is a guy that, um, no, he's a grinder, and he's always been a grinder. He was never a superstar on his teams. He was always a role player. And I think that's those are the guys that are the most successful because they know how to grind. They know how to what it takes to put in the effort to winning in the NBA. You know, they, they don't have just the raw talent like MJ and Scotty had in Chicago. You know, I mean, Kerr was a guy that yeah, he hit a game-winning shot to win uh, a championship, but he was never the the focal point of that team. You know, so. I think that's what Curtis brings is that grinding mentality. And uh, now that they have that, you know, with guys like – and it helps, too, that Clay Thompson is taking his game to the next level. I mean, he only scored 37 points in a quarter Friday night. No big deal. <laughs> only an NBA record. How but, do you do that? You know, How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, you hit nine three-pointers. In a quarter, that's how, and that's that's what he did, man. I mean, it was unbelievable. But, but that that that's that's what Golden State has, and and no disrespect to Mark Jackson. I mean, Mark Jackson, he's going to be a head coach again someday. Uh, but um, I just, you know, for whatever reason, he just wasn't a good fit at Golden State. And I questioned them getting rid of him. I did. I mean, like the success Golden State was having, but but when you look at the hiring of Kerr and the experience he had being a big-time player in the NBA with the Bulls, and I know you, you're a big Bulls fan. 
I mean, this guy mm-hmm. knows what he's talking about, at least when you listen to him. I, I wasn't sold on him being a coach, though, but boy, was I wrong so far. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's a lot of people that thought that, and Don, it was, you know, throughout Kerr's career, he, he was always surrounded by guys that not only were better him, than him from the player's side, uh, but you, you think about the coaches that he played for, you know, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, okay? All that knowledge that he gained throughout his career, I mean, how can you not take all that and apply it to being a head coach? And, that, and that's all it is. It's, it's, you can call it luck if you want, or you can call it just, you know, just being smart and, and, and learning from some of the best that have ever coached this game. And that's why Phil Jackson wanted him to come to New York so bad. You know, to, to be honest, hey, Nick fans, they're going to get their feelings hurt. But Derek Fisher was their number two option. He was. And when they when they didn't get Steve Kerr, they had to resort to uh, Derek Fisher. So but that's why. Yeah, Fisher doing a hell of a job this year, man, with an 8-37 and 37 yeah. record. You have, you have to be proud of what the Knicks are doing. Yeah, I mean, they're, they are looking good right now. 8-37, and 37, thank God for Minnesota, they would be – uh, dead last, but I mean, Phil Jackson. Did you think the Knicks would be this bad? Twenty nine games out of first place right now. I mean, did you think they would be that bad? No, I, at, but by this time, I thought they would have had about fifteen wins. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> not much better. But um, you know, they are they're they're on a roll right now for the for the number one pick. Uh, so yeah, and, and, and you know, I mean, it's not like Phil Jackson guaranteed a title this year. I mean, he said it was. It's going to take time, so, you know, and I know, but the thing is, I know how brutal the New York media can be, so I know Knicks fans are already probably frustrated with the way the team is performing, but you know what? You, I mean, it, it you can't fix a mess overnight from, you know, 10 years of bad contracts and bad decisions, and, you know, you, you, you gave Carmelo you know, all the money that, that he could possibly get. And, and I hope he's happy now uh, on a team with eight wins when he had the opportunity to go to a team like Chicago who who was in contention in the East. So, you know, hey, so, sometimes that's what some guys are remembered for. You know, they're, they're, they're money grabbers. Yeah. See, the Bulls are always going to be – see, when you can go to a team like Chicago, that they have the pieces in place. They just need another piece to help them. That's where you want to go if you're an elite player, somewhere you can – contend for championships but if you'd rather have a few more million and, and be 8 and 37 then then so be it I mean you see you know I don't think players are smart enough to realize that with the endorsements they get the better team they're on the more money they're going to make it's all going to even out in the long run anyway these contracts are are contracts you get more money sometimes off the endorsement square vote being able to sell your name and your product and now being on the Knicks, I'll, the only thing you're going to sell are paper bags for the fans to put over their head with your name on it, maybe. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, had he gone to Chicago, yes, he would have gotten, what, $30 million less in, in the total of his contract, but he would have made up for it in endorsements, like you said, because if yeah. you think about it, okay, Chicago is just as big of a market as New York is, okay? And but the difference is you're winning, and 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 the reason I bring that up is because when you're winning, people pay attention. You think people are going out? Oh man, I can't, I 
can't wait. I can't wait to buy the new Ricky Rubio shoes. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's paying attention to him in Minnesota. They're a seven-win team, you know. So when 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 you're on a team that's losing, people people can easily forget yep. about you. And that's hey, why Cuervo, I was in Publix said, today. I was in Publix today, and and I, I swear I saw eight Atlanta Hawks either hats, shirts, or whatever. You know, if the Hawks suck, nobody'd be wearing them. But this is Atlanta Hawks. Their their memorabilia, their jersey sales, and everything are going through the roof because they're winning. So imagine him in Chicago with his number, and the Chicago Bulls being number one or two or three in the East or something like that. How much money would he be making? Oh, I mean, the the endorsements would be pouring in. I mean, you, you think about, you know, not just local but nationally. The the, the the attention that he would be getting. And, and, and you know, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau would have definitely changed his, you know, thought process as far as, the, the, the you know, the teammate concept, the, the teamwork concept, because, as we all know, Mel's, he, he's, he's, a, he's an all-about-himself type of guy. And had he come to Chicago, yeah. that would have changed, or at least Thibodeau, Thibodeau would have, attempted to change that and maybe he just didn't want to make that change and that's why he decided to stay in new york yeah i I think staying in new york was his coward way of you know what what would have happened had he gone to chicago and just tanked there and couldn't win then it's going to be all about him where if he stays in new york and they suck he can always say well my team's bad but i wanted to be loyal to you know i wanted to be loyal to these guys and i mean that's he's a coward to me you know, at least Kobe Bryant wants to win. He wanted his money, but at least he's a competitor. Uh, yeah, well, and you know he is a competitor, and and you know that's something that we touched on too. Is is you know, I've I've always been. People know that I'm not the biggest Kobe fan. Matter of fact, I'm not a Kobe fan at all. However, one thing I've realized in the past year or so, Tarvin is is. I may not be a Kobe fan. I'm not going to go and run out and buy his jersey or anything. But I, I've, I've, it's, it's kind of hit me like a, like a brick. You know, when somebody throws a brick at your forehead, it hit me like once Kobe Bryant retires, that's it. From that era of player, the way they think, the way they play, with the passion, with the determination, with, with the competitiveness that those guys have. Kobe is the last of those guys. Okay, the the the, the mid the the nineties guys. The, there are no more of those. Now you get the the flashy, you know, uh, uh, you know Russell Westbrook and Lillard and and Blake Griffin and, and all these guys that you know they just want to they just want to have you know they just want to uh, be on highlight reels and, and and they're not worried about you know being successful from a from a rings standpoint and Kobe's the last of those guys so I have learned to not necessarily be a Kobe fan but a, and a Kobe appreciator you know so it, it, it sucks that he's out for the year now but you know hopefully he comes back next year and he can he can be healthy and enjoy next year because let's face it after next year he ain't, he's he's done he's not coming back yeah. He's not coming back. That's a good point so. you brought up about the, the mindset of the older generation and of those players. You're exactly right. And, and now you're going to see 
the pussification of America, as we like to talk about. You know, you're going to see those type of players that are all about themselves, all about the contract, not about team play, not about winning. And Kobe's not the biggest team player in the world either, but his mindset, he's a tough, hard-nosed worker. He's a competitor. He will kill you to win. And that's what I don't see that in the NBA, Cuervo. That's why I don't watch the NBA. It's it's just hard to watch. And I actually turn and watch some parts of games, but I'm not a fan of the NBA. I'm not going to be an Atlanta Hawks fan because – they're number one, and I'm in Atlanta. I'm not going to watch the Bulls play much. And let, I mean, I just don't. I don't see that. Like these West Coast teams and everything, they're good, but they don't have that that fight and that heart to them. You know, any team in the NBA for that matter. Maybe the Bulls. I'll give the Bulls that. They have yeah, a coach you know, that, that's a good competitor, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, you know what the problem is, Tarvin. What I don't know if it's necessarily a problem, but. Everybody's too worried about being friends with each other because, well, you know, one day we might wind up being on the same team together, and I don't want to burn that bridge. Man, go out and make your own legacy. Stop stop worrying about preserving friendships and stuff like it. You, you know, it, it's it, that, that kind of waters the game down. You should want to build those type of – you know, Magic and Michael – they, they were friends off the court, but on the court they were enemies, you know, and, and that that's the way it should be. I mean, you know, you know, you know I miss the Detroit Pistons days when they were uh, the nasty boys, boys playing against the Bulls and, or, yeah, the bad boys playing against Jordan and them. I mean, those were, those were bloodbath games, the Pistons and the Celtics and the way they played. Mm-hmm. The Bulls came in after that. I mean, how do you top that? Will we ever top that, that generation of basketball? You can't, you can't because they don't, they don't, they don't breed the players like that anymore. It's that's that's the game. The style has changed, and it's all about you know teaming up with each other and let's go out and win. Not not three, not four, not five, not six. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> instead of instead of creating, you know, they're they're too worried about creating friendships when they should be creating rivalries because that's what gets the attention is when you have rivalries, look at college football. College football is all about rivalry. Now you got Urban Meyer against Jim Harbaugh when Ohio State Michigan uh, plays next year. You don't think people are going to tune into that? Yeah. Hell yeah, they're going to tune in. You know, and it's not because Urban Meyer and Harbaugh are, are worried about being friends at the end of the day. No, they're enemies. They, they want to beat each other. And that's what makes it great. So, you know, you just don't get that in the NBA anymore. So, Well, and I don't think you ever will. But, Cuervo, I was going to have to shut it off here in a minute anyway. Anything you want to talk about before we go tonight? Um, nothing specific. I just, I just want to say one thing. I hope for everybody's sake that we can finally start talking about the actual Super Bowl and not, you know, PSI of football. Can can we please do that? Can we just please start talking about the actual game? I talked about that earlier too, Cuervo. It's like it's a joke. I mean, we, we have. I watch football for the competitive uh, play up with the teams, the the stars, the schemes. I don't care about how much the football weighs. I mean, I want to talk about this. This is a great, great matchup in the Super Bowl, and and all we can talk about is a flat football. I mean, really? Yeah. Right. You know, and and it's just yeah, it's. I just want to I just want to get to the actual game. That's all I want to do. 
So, <laughs> well, I guarantee you Wednesday night. I guarantee you Wednesday night we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl about what's on the field, where, but we're not gonna talk about how how much the ball is gonna weigh or not weigh. But uh, what do you think about Gordon failing another drug test? Or it wasn't a drug test; he failed a he had some alcohol in his system. Are they being too hard on this guy? I'm 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 at the point with him now where I, I don't think anything. First of all, what what um what were the reasons for administering that test? You know, I mean, what were the reasons for it? Were they did they find him drunk somewhere? Like, were they did they suspect that he was intoxicated? Like, you know, normally when you when you test somebody like that, it's because you suspect something. So. I mean, did they find him drunk in public or something? I mean, like, and if that's the case, I, I don't feel bad for Josh Gordon a little bit because the kid's putting it on himself. He knows the rules that he has to follow, the guidelines that he has to follow because of, you know, the probation or whatever that he's under right now. You don't mess with that. I mean, you're talking about future, you know, set-for-life type money, and he's throwing it away. He's throwing money away that he doesn't even have yet. So, and he could potentially have. So, it's, I, I don't feel bad for him one bit. He's doing it to himself. Yeah, and I think because of the past failure of drug tests, that he he can have random ones or he has scheduled ones he has to go to. But it's either do you love the NFL more than that? And, and you know, it may be a point where he needs to go get serious help and then tell the NFL I'll be back once I get me straightened out. And once that happens – then I think he could be a great player. But until then, this is what you're going to see out of him. I think he's going to be damned from the league if he doesn't get some help. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, the key the key to that, though, Tarvin, is the kid, the kid he, he has to want to help. He has to want to help before you can help him. You know, I mean, you can't help somebody that doesn't want it. So, you know, no. if, if, he can, if he can get that through his head, then – you know he'll he'll be he'll be where he needs to be, but for now he's he's a mess. The kid's a mess, and and I mean I feel so bad for him in that aspect where he can't stay clean, but he's doing it to himself. Yeah. Well, all right, Cuervo man. Thanks for joining me tonight, and uh, we'll be on Wednesday night at eight thirty uh, p.m. Eastern time if you'd like to join us, man. But take care and have a great week. Definitely. All right, you too, Tarvin. You take care. Have a good night. You too, bud.